Welcome to the Imbue Podcast. Today we're joined by celebrity cosmetic dentist, Dr. Bill Dorfman. He's been practicing for over 30 years in Beverly Hills and has a career unparalleled to anybody in dentist history. He transformed the smiles of celebrities like Katy Perry, Usher, Fergie, Hugh Jackman, Michael Strahan, Jessica Simpson, Mark Wahlberg, Eva Longoria, and many more. Dr. Bill was the only dentist featured on ABC's hit show, Extreme Makeover, and is currently a recurring guest and co-host on the CBS Emmy Award-winning daytime talk show, The Doctors. Referred to as the Michael Jordan of dentistry, he also appeared on numerous TV shows, including Larry King Live, Oprah, Access Hollywood, E! Extra, and Entertainment Tonight. As the founder of Discus Dental, one of the leading dental companies in the world, he helped lead the company from its inception to more than $1.3 billion in sales. Primarily with the award-winning tooth biting product, such as Zoom and Brightsmith, he invented Zoom. Dr. Bill has received 20 Lifetime Achievement Awards, two Guinness Book of World Records, and is a New York Times bestselling author. He was recently the first ever dentist knighted by the Royal Order of Constantine. He's a passionate philanthropist, together with country singer Garth Brooks and Crown Council of Dentists, he's helped raise more than $44 million for children's charities. He's also the founder of a nonprofit, LEAP Foundation. LEAP is a week-long motivational leadership program taught out of UCLA every summer to more than 400 students between the ages of 15 to 25. More than just a dentist, Dr. Bill is an author, entrepreneur, philanthropist, TV personality, health and fitness enthusiast, proud father of three daughters, and so much more. We're blessed to have, have him on the podcast, and enjoy. In the Bay right now, so the forest fires are pretty bad. Dang, that is a badass office. <laughs> it's virtual. Oh, wait, that's a virtual office? No. Oh, I was like, I actually believe you for a second. That's funny. That's a that's just a TV screen, right? Not an actual aquarium. Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. The Michael Jordan of dentistry. Seriously, thank you so much. So. Ah, no, thanks for having me. Cool, man. Um, so yeah, I mean, one of the one of the biggest things about this podcast is we kind of follow people follow people's journey throughout their life, and I think you know people can learn stuff from all different stages. But a lot of people who listen to this podcast. Generally, they're early out, earlier on in their careers and trying to figure out exactly what they want to be and you know who they want to become. And so we try to pull okay. those lessons from. Is this filmed at all, or it's just audio? Uh, it's filmed as well. Yes. Okay. Cool. All it, right. I'm it, ready. Let's uh, go. Okay. We're all good. Okay. Perfect. So um, yeah. So I mean, just going back, what was the first little inkling uh, that you remember of being interested in dentistry uh, and why you wanted to get into it in the first place? I mean, I could literally say I fell into it. Interesting. Uh, I was a little kid. I was like three, and I had this horrible accident in my family room at home, and I hit the table spinning around, playing Ring Around the Rosie, and I hit my baby teeth so hard that instead of knocking them out, I actually pushed them back up into the sockets that they had grown out of. And so I had to have multiple surgeries to correct that and make sure my permanent teeth would grow on perfectly and all that. But along the way, we just had a really great family dentist. And instead of me being freaked out by the whole thing, I actually became intrigued and I wanted to hang out in the dental office and, you know, really kind of learn more about the profession. And, you know, at some point I just thought, Wow, this is so cool! I want to do this for people, and that was that was the inception. Interesting. So, were you born and raised in LA? Then was this in LA? Uh, yeah, I was. I was born in LA hospital. Grew up in LA. I lived in LA most of my life. Uh, when I went to dental school, I was in San Francisco, and then after that, I did a residency program in Switzerland for two years. So uh, that was awesome. I learned how to ski and speak French and. Dang, all the good stuff to do when you're young. All the French girls. <laughs> so, um, what was that like? What was that like going to school over over in uh, Europe for dentistry? Did you get to travel a lot around a lot? And how did that kind of play into your development as a person? Well, first of all, I didn't go to school. Um, you know, what I did was 
I did a residency program there. Mm -hmm. So I was actually already done with school. Uh, and, you know, I know a lot of your listeners are young people that are trying to figure out, like, you know, where to go and what to do in life. And I, I need to give you a few little tips along the way. Mm -hmm. You know, <clears throat> when I was in dental school, I thought I love dentistry and I want to practice dentistry. But, you know, I, I grew up pretty poor. We had never traveled. I had never seen any part of the world. And I thought, if I'm going to start practicing dentistry, I'll never really be able to, like, travel for long periods of time. Yeah. You know, and so I heard about this program in Switzerland. The problem is they only took one dentist a year and they had 400 applicants. Now, why should they take me? They shouldn't. I had no experience. I didn't speak French. I was nobody special. And, you know, it was really early on that I realized that successful people are willing to do the things that unsuccessful people are not willing to do. So what did I do? Literally, I had every instructor in my dental school who knew me write a letter of recommendation. The best way to get a great letter of recommendation, by the way, is to write it yourself. So I would ask them to write a letter, and they'd kind of look at me like, ugh, not another letter. I'd say, hey, I'll write it if you'll just personalize it. Great. So I probably submitted at least 10 or 15 letters of recommendation. On top of that, I called the director of the clinic pretty much weekly, just getting an update, seeing if they had selected anybody and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. When all of that didn't seem to be working, I did something and I, I, I teach a program and we'll talk about it in a little bit called LEAP. Mm. And I tell students there, there will be life-defining moments. Sometimes you plan for them, sometimes you don't, sometimes they just happen. I had one of those happen with this guy. I was on the phone with him, and uh, I, I really realized I was getting nowhere with my letters and my calls and everything. He was completely uninterested. And then I said to him, I said, hey, can I take you to lunch? He's like, lunch? You're in San Francisco. I'm like, I know, but I'll fly out, which was really a joke because I was, I was broke-ass poor broke. Like, I had no money. So I didn't even have money for a ticket. Like, really? A ticket to Switzerland? But he's like, sure. It was a life-defining moment. I flew out there. I took him to lunch, and he hired me. So how, how, did you, how were you able to come up with the funds for that then if you were at, at... I borrowed money. Oh, wow. Grandma. Wow. Yeah. That's incredible. And, you know, it changed the course of my life. But I was the only one of 400 applicants who did that. Wow. So guess who got the job? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. And I think that, you know, especially in today, even when you look at silly things like Instagram, you know, what makes things go viral? You do more. You do something different. You stand out. I mean, that's the real key to success. You need to really be unique and special and different. And do things that unsuccessful people just aren't willing to do. Hmm. If there's two things, two things that I try to really stress at the LEAP program, like if you get nothing else out of my LEAP program, which is, by the way, it's, it's typically a week-long motivational leadership program for students 15 to 25, hmm. and it's phenomenal. This year we did it virtually, and it was still phenomenal. But typically, it's at UCLA Live. But if there's two things that I can get you to walk away with, I feel I've done my job. Number one, don't wait for opportunities in your life. Make them. You know, if, if I meet another person who tells me they're waiting for the universe to show them the way, I, I just want to shake them and say, look outside. The universe is pretty busy. And it doesn't care about you. Okay. Number two, when you get an opportunity in life, don't take it. Master it. And there's a big difference. Look, I grew up knowing I was meant to be a dentist. Like, of all the things I do professionally, 
there is nothing that comes to me as naturally and easily as dentistry. However, when ABC put me on their show, Extreme Makeover, which was one of the first reality shows on TV, mm. I realized really quickly that I was not born for TV. Like, I literally stunk. I, they should have fired me. If you watched the first two or three episodes, you would go, why is this guy on here? He's that bad. But instead of sitting there and wallowing in my misery, what did I do? Change. I took acting classes, hosting classes, teleprompting classes. I hired a media trainer, the woman who works with the kids on American Idol, to literally teach me how to interview, how to talk. How, I mean, stuff that I knew I needed on TV. I didn't need that stuff as a dentist. As a dentist, you just need to have good hands and, you know, drill. Mm -hmm. But... By my being on Extreme Makeover, our company almost quadrupled in size. I don't know if you know this, but I invented Zoom. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't know that until I got the description about you, which is incredible. Yeah. Not Zoom video conference. <laughs> I know, yeah, yeah, for the people who don't know. <laughs> yeah. Right? But our company started off, we did like 2 million, 4 million, 8 million. We kind of just plateaued at like 76 million. We just couldn't break that barrier, those crest white strips and all these other things out there. Mm. It wasn't until I got on ABC's Extreme Makeover that we jumped from 76 million in sales to 101, to 136, to almost $200 million in sales. Wow. Why? Because instead of just kind of taking an opportunity, I learned how to be the best version of me I could be because I saw that there was a direct relationship to my presence on TV and our company sales. Hmm. That's super interesting because I feel like the analogy you use for you going over to Switzerland applies to your dentistry as well. Like maybe there's there's 400 dentists, but there's only one who's willing to be personal with their people who's willing to you know kind of go the extra mile with with dentistry, right? I think you're a perfect example of that, and that's. A testament to why you're so successful. Maybe you feel that way. I don't know. You know, I think that another thing that's really important is this. I've been interviewed by hundreds, maybe thousands of people. I mean, from podcast to TV to radio to you name it, right? I don't know if you're familiar with this, but when you're on Ellen or Rosie, or The Tonight Show, or any of these like talk shows. What they'll do is, is you go there, and they stick you in a room with a producer, and they'll interview you for like an hour. And then they pick little bits and pieces that they think their audience is gonna like. They kind of go in there, it's like a shotgun, and they'll, they'll ask you all kinds of things, and then they'll hone in on the stuff that they know their audience is gonna like, right? Mm -hmm. There's only two times in my professional career that didn't happen. First is Larry King. He doesn't tell you. When you're on Larry King Live, it's live, and you have no idea what he's going to ask, <laughs> which is scary because it's not just live. It's live worldwide live. Mm -hmm. Second one is Oprah. Oprah has such an enormous team of people doing research and checking things out for her. She knows you. Like when you're on there, she knows you and she knows what she wants to ask. You don't. She wants your raw, unfiltered answer. So when I did Oprah, and this was back in like 2005, hmm. the phrase outside the box was not common. In fact, it was the first time I heard it was from Oprah and she said, Doc, your career as a dentist is so unique and so different. What inspires you to think outside the box so much? I honestly had never heard that phrase before. And I looked at her and I said, what box? And we just cracked up. And that literally defines not just my career, my whole life. I don't get it. I don't get why people box themselves into things. Hmm. You know, I just don't get it. I, I think you need to be successful. You need to not 
box yourself in anything and really think outside the box, really think, you know, I'm not the smartest person you'll ever meet, but you put me in a creative meeting, that's where I flourish. And that's what you really need today. Mm-hmm. You know, the, uh, the old way, like the way I grew up learning in school was basically memorizing stuff. You know, you don't need to memorize stuff anymore. We all have computers in our hands. Mm-hmm. Look it up. You want to be successful, you got to be creative. In 1921, when Einstein got his first Nobel Prize and he was being lauded for his brilliance, he said, you know, it's not my brilliance that got me here. It's my creativity. Beautiful. Wow. That is so true. Uh, that was a wonderful story. Thank you so much for sharing that, um, making it so personal. Um, so going into your entrepreneurial adventures, you started, you're the founder of Discus Dental. So one of the leading dental companies in the world. And from my understanding, it's the umbrella company for some of your inventions, right? Like Zoom, um, as well as Bright Smile. Is that right? Correct. So what could you go into, what was the impetus for starting some of these technologies? Because these are groundbreaking technologies. I mean, uh, for example, Bright Smile, I think, is used by every single influencer on Instagram, right? So it's it's a super popular product. So what was the impetus for going into these entrepreneurial journeys? And you know, how did you find so much success in them? What was, what was your secret to finding success, if there is one? Or is it just hard work and consistency and being creative? I mean, the story of Discus Dental is this. We... Um we started that company with, with nothing. I mean, back in 1988, 89, tooth whitening was in its infancy. And I was literally one of the dentists. I probably, I was doing more in-office tooth whitening than any other dentist in the world. Mm-hmm. And the reason I know this is because the company that I bought my product from called me and told me and when I got him on the phone, I'm like, while I have you here, I have some ideas to make this product better. It, it came in a plastic bag with, like, it, it just, it didn't look professional. You don't even know what I'm going to say right now, but there used to be four Xerox machines came out. <laughs> there was another machine called a mimeograph. Yeah, right. <laughs> and you've never seen it because you, you were born like a hundred years after that. But literally, that that when you would copy papers, mm-hmm. it didn't even come out. It, it came out on this really um, like flimsy, shiny, whitish paper with like a bluish writing on it, and it, it, it and the and and after like three or four weeks, it would fade. Like. You could like you couldn't keep a document for like years. Like within weeks, it, it just and that and that's how they packaged it mm. in plastic bags with these. Ba- and the taste was awful. The delivery, and you know, I'm sitting here thinking, this is not so much a dental procedure; it's a cosmetic procedure. Mm. You know, you should package it to look like a high end cosmetic. You should, and so I'm telling them all this, and they're like. You're 29 and you don't know anything. Shut up and go away, right? Well, throughout my life, I've had this recurring theme where every time I have literally philanthropically wanted to help, I ended up making money. Like, without that being the intention, you know, call it the universe, I don't know. It just happened. So... I was at the gym working out one day, and this woman comes up to me and says, would you like to help raise money for children's cancer research? Yeah, who wouldn't, right? Hmm. She goes, you are a dentist, right? I said, yes. She goes, and you're single, right? I'm like, yeah, but weird. (laughs) She goes, well, we're doing a bachelor auction. We need 10 guys, and we have 1,000 women to buy you. I'm like, all right, I'm in. <laughs> Honestly, the bachelor auction was really stupid and kind of humiliating. However, the guy in line next to me is my best friend in life now. 
We met in line there. His name is Robert Heyman. He's the son of Fred Heyman. Fred Heyman literally created Beverly Hills. He was a master marketing genius. Mm -hmm. He had a very popular line of cosmetics at the time called Giorgio, which he sold to uh, Revlon. Um, he, um, he had a, a popular store called Fred Heyman's at 273. It's now where um, um, uh, it's right on the corner of uh, Rodeo. Uh, Cannon and Rodeo. Yeah, not on Rodeo, one street over. Okay. Um, but it's, it, 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 you know, it, but the, the, the point is Robert grew up in the cosmetic industry. He knew cosmetics, he knew manufacturing, he had an MBA, he knew business. And together, Robert and I formed Discus Dental. And we created our first product, which was Nightwipe. And Nightwipe was a take-home tooth whitening product. Eventually, Nightwipe was taken over by Zoom. And then we were competing with Bright Smile. And we had a very amicable relationship with the company. And we ended up acquiring Bright Smile for $65 million. And that way, our company owned all the IP on in-office light-activated tooth whitening worldwide. And then we sold that company to Philips in 2010. Wow. Uh, uh, Bright, Bright Smile? Sorry? Bright Smile you sold to, to Crescent? Yeah. Tuesday. So we owned Bright Smile and Zoom. Those were the two in-office light-activated tooth whitening systems. And we sold that to Philips in 2010. Wow. Incredible. Um, so... Going on to um, a little bit farther down your bio here, you've received 20 Lifetime Achievement Awards and two Guinness Book World Records. What is that? What are, first of all, what are 20 Lifetime Achievement Awards? And then in what, what area are the Guinness Book World Records in? Well, you want me to list all 20? Oh, no, no. Well, just like general, just like general areas of what they I are. Mean, usually, I mean, it's from... You know, the American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry. I mean, a lot of what I did in dentistry was mm -hmm. just really trend setting and, and, you know, thinking differently, breaking down barriers. And look, prior to me doing extreme makeover, dentists never got positive, like, media coverage. I mean, it was like Little Shop of Horrors and Marathon Man. It was like always horrible. It wasn't until Damn. I did Extreme Makeover where dentistry was really highlighted in a very positive, uplifting way where it showed all the great things we could do to change people's life and health and appearance. And so it, it was a really groundbreaking thing for dentistry. I mean, they estimate that cosmetic dentistry increased by over 30% as a result of that show. So, wow. you know, I got a lot of recognition for that. And then later on, I got a lot of awards for LEAP. LEAP is a motivational leadership program for high school and college kids. Uh, our next program will be in 2021. Hopefully it will be live. It will be the 18th to the 24th. And we basically teach kids the skills they need to be successful in life. And we bring in amazing speakers. I mean, every single one of my patients that I've asked to participate has said yes. From Usher to Anthony Hopkins, Mark Wahlberg, Eva Longoria, Kathy Bates, uh, Michael Strahan, Apollo Ono, the most decorated Olympic uh, winter Olympic athlete in the world. Um, I mean, on and on and on and on. And basically what we do is we teach these students the skills that they're going to need to be successful in life. And we say it gives them a seven-year head start on life. And so 60% of the kids that come to LEAP come from impoverished families, but these are really good students, like A and B students. Mm -hmm. So I've also received a bunch of awards for you know what we've done with LEAP. So could you go a little bit more into LEAP then, a little bit more about what that curriculum looks like and people who are interested, where could they find out more about what LEAP is? Uh, it's pretty easy. If you want to find out more, just go to www.leapfoundation.com. Um, and um, here's a phone number that you can call as well. We, 
we uh, we will put on um, a program this summer. Now, because of COVID, this year we actually did the program virtually. And, and where we typically get about 400 students, this year we had over 1,000 students. So I think going forward, we'll do the program always as a hybrid, where it will be virtual and in person. Mm. So it's it, there's actually no reason not to go. If you're 15 to 25 and you want to really be inspired, we teach you job skills. We teach you how to apply for a job. We teach you how to communicate. We teach you networking. We teach um, public speaking. Um, I even do a whole program on fitness and health. You know, um, I do, um, um, oh man, I mean, it's just a very, it's a really robust curriculum. Um, I do a whole thing on drinking and driving and um, appreciation and leadership. I mean, just you, you got to go on the website and see. It's it's really phenomenal. And what are the costs associated with the? Is it so? If you go to the live program, it's twenty five hundred dollars for the week. If you do the virtual program, it's like four fifty. Okay, so it's a week long thing then. Awesome, wonderful. Well, hopefully, I'll, I'll make sure to uh, post a link to that in, in the bio below with the dates as well, so people can find out more information. Yeah, and one of the things that you can do if you're interested, leading up to it. I started a podcast called Meet the Mentor, and a lot of the interviews that I've done at LEAP are on here, and they're really, really phenomenal people. I mean, I just did Jason Alexander from Seinfeld, Paula Abdul, Jonathan Bennett. I mean, there's a lot of really interesting, fun people that have some really great tips on how to be successful in life. Mm -hmm. So going to your podcast, how'd you come up with the idea to to start it, and what has been some of the the great things about your podcast that you've learned, um, but that have also well, helped you. Here's the funny thing. <laughs> so I launched the podcast in January, right? Mm-hmm. We're number one in the world in Yemen. Wow. We're number two in Iceland. We're number three in Finland. And I'm number, I'm 94th in a category of 47,000 in the U.S., wow. which is kind of cool. That's awesome. Um, so... I had been doing these interviews for years and years and years, and somebody came up to me and said, hey, you should do this as a podcast. And so they helped produce this. So I work with the whole team, you know, and um, it's it's been pretty phenomenal. And, you know, that that's the other thing is like oh, social media, right? That's not my thing. I'm a dentist. So I have a social media team. I'm the only dentist in the world who has like a million followers on social media. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's not because I'm running it. I don't run it. Now, I like, but I hire really good people who curate my content, put the stuff out there, make sure it hits the explore page, make sure it grows. Mm-hmm. And as a result, you know, I, I get tons of patients from social media. I also have gotten some really lucrative influencer contracts because I didn't just like dabble in it. I thought if I'm going to do it, my motto is when you go, go big. Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm going to do this, I can do it the right way. It seems almost that you're more like a people person than a dentist. And maybe I'm wrong, but it seems like you're, you're so good at connecting with people and, you know, telling great stories. And I think maybe that goes hand in hand with building a great following and, and going on, on social media and, Ultimately, having a great dentist. Well, I mean, you have to be a people person to be a good dentist. I mean, think Mm -hmm. about it. Most people that come to the dentist are scared. Totally. You know? So, how do you get somebody to trust you? You know? I mean, it's like the old saying, you know, you got to have the sizzle and you have to have the steak. You know, you need to have enough sizzle to get people in the door, but the steak is the delivery. You need to deliver, you know? And if you don't have both of those in whatever business you're in, you'll fail. Hmm. Very true. What are some of, what are some of the, the things that you've done for the sizzle and the steak for some of your businesses, like, uh, for example, Discus Dental? Well, I, I would say at Discus and in my dental practice, you know, our goal is to not meet your expectations exceed your expectations mm-hmm. you know look on, on google i i have 1855 star google reviews 
No other dentist in the world has that many. Mm. You know, how do you get those? A, by giving people great service, and B, the most powerful word in the English language. Three letters. You know what it is? I don't know. I love you. <laughs> no, three letters. Oh, three letters. Oh, um, yes. A, S, K. Ask. Okay. Ask. Yeah. When patients come up to the front desk and my office manager, who's a genius, says to them, you know, how was your visit today? And they're like, oh my gosh, he was this, he was that. And when they say all these nice things, she's like, hey, would you mind giving us a Google review? Bam. How do you get 1,850 Google reviews? You yeah. ask for them. Interesting. But when you provide that great experience, it's almost like a no-brainer for them to go and do it, right? They just need that little catalyst. Right, but they're not going to just intuitively do it. Exactly, yeah. I mean, how many people just walk up to the front like, oh, man, I'm going to give you a Google review? <laughs> I mean, some do, but if you ask, you got a much higher chance. And here's the part that I didn't even know was a part. By having 1,850 five-star Google reviews, when you check out the SEO on my website and everything, I come up first. Damn. That's crazy. If you look for a cosmetic dentist this side of the Mississippi, you're probably going to end up with my name because of that. Wow. And did you, was that something that you realized going ahead of time, that this is going to improve my SEO or kind of a consequence? No. I had no idea. Yeah. Wow. And I'm sure that's tremendous. Like people spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to try and boost their SEO. And something you've just done kind of organically. And well, it's incredible. Well, here's what happens. I'm a big believer in mastermind groups. Mm -hmm. So I'm in a mastermind group of dentists. We've been meeting for 20 years with wow. these guys. And yeah. they're really phenomenal. They've, they've got some of the most successful practices in the world. Mm -hmm. And we meet every month. And we basically just review best practices, like what's working, you know, and we all kind of boost each other and help each other. So we serendipitously did this little contest to see who could get the most, you know, five-star Google reviews, just as, a, as kind of a contest between us. Yeah. None of us knew that there was going to be this strong relationship between Google reviews and SEO. It was more just, you know, let's see who can do it. Uh, one of my friends who won actually has more five-star Google reviews now than Disneyland. Oh, my gosh. That's he impressive. He blew it out. But he also has 30 practices. I only have one. <laughs> and how come you only have one? I, th I would have I would have thought you had a couple. Is it, or is it just mainly for the, for the branding of like this? Or just it's manageable? You know what? It's a lot of work, man. Yeah, yeah. If I were, do you know how old I am? In in your fifties, you look like you're my age. <laughs> no, I'm sixty-one. Yeah, I've been doing this a long time, dude. <laughs> you know, I, I don't need to have ten practices. Life yeah. is too short. I want to live too, you know. Yeah. So, um, no, I have one practice. I practice dentistry about twenty hours a week. Uh, and the rest of the time I just do charity work. Interesting. What, what do you do for fun? Like, do you like, do you play? I mean, you're very active, of course. Um, well, when COVID's not around, my typical winter is every other weekend I go skiing. I have a house in Deer Valley, nice. Utah. So I go there and I ski. And in the summertime, I scuba dive a lot. Um, on top of that, I go to the gym every day, mm. even with COVID. We have a really good one in my building that's safe and, you know, isolated and all that. Um, and I, I love, I like, I mean, I'm pretty active. I like to do a lot of stuff. And that actually landed you on the cover of a pretty prominent fitness magazine, didn't it, recently? Yeah, I, I was just um, featured in GQ magazine. That's um, impressive. <laughs> oh, I, I think I'm the oldest guy ever photographed shirtless for GQ magazine. I don't know. <laughs> Dang, well, that's 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 super impressive, honestly. Um, how has how has fitness impacted your life? Like, is this something you've always been, uh, you know, a passionate advocate for? Or 
You know, it's kind of funny, the whole fitness thing. I, I've always been an athlete. You know, I, I was, a, I was a, you know, as a kid, I played football and, you know, Pop Warner football, and I did Little League and all that. But the sport I really uh, took a, a liking to was swimming. I, I was a really, really strong swimmer. And so I swam through high school. Uh, when I got to UCLA, I had to choose dentistry or swimming. Mm. There's no way I could do both. I mean, swimming in, in, in college is like double workouts. It's like four hours a day. I, there's no way I could do it. Mm. So, you know, that uh, I stopped swimming. But I had a, a little bit of a basic background in gymnastics as well. So I continued on as a UCLA yell leader. And I would tumble and stunt at football games. No way. Which is fun. Um, and then when I started dental school, I really wasn't exercising much. And I started having a lot of back and neck pain from doing dentistry and bending over so much. And um, I realized that the more I exercised, the better I felt. And then I also realized I can't practice dentistry if I don't exercise. Like my body just doesn't work well. So I, I started exercising more and more really so I could practice dentistry. Mm -hmm. And so the goal was never to be like a fitness guru or anything. It was really more, you know, stay healthy, stay, you know, stay balanced and stay strong. So that's interesting. You say that about, uh, uh swimming. I, I ran track in college and some of my good friends were swimmers. And they, like, you never saw them. Like, the workout schedule was just absolutely insane, like four hours a day. So I totally understand that that uh, decision. Was that a pretty difficult decision to make? Like, I feel like when, when, any, when, when any athlete leads their sport, it's usually, you know, it's tough for a while. Well, no, it wasn't difficult. <laughs> Look, I, I grew up really, really poor, and I'm like, you know, Swimming was not going to pay the bills. Totally. Yeah. I mean, I was a good swimmer, but it certainly wasn't going to get me an apartment or pay any bills, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, I and I wanted, I always wanted to be a dentist. That was my priority. So it was a pretty easy decision to make. Got you. Well, that's super important. I think, like, especially after this whole COVID pandemic, uh, fitness is going to be much more at the forefront. You know, I think in, in the U.S., Obesity is such a, a bad uh, pandemic that I think it's going to be more, in the, at least people are going to focus on it more, right? To be healthy and to live a healthier life. So eat healthier, work out more, stuff like that. So oh, I agree. I agree. So it'll be interesting to see. Um, so another thing that I thought was super interesting is that you were knighted by the Royal Order of Constantine. What was that like? And how did that happen? How did that come about? That's like, that's a very unique thing. I, that's something you'd see in like a movie. <laughs> like... I know, right? So it's funny. Um, it's right here. Oh my gosh, that's cool. There's the uh, certificate. There's the uh, the sword, and there's the uh, the little medal and all that. Um, that was that was really an honor. I mean, you know, I, I am Doctor Sir William Michael. <laughs> Do you have that in your emails, Dr. Sir William, at the bottom? Yeah, that's it. Um, it. It was really cool. I mean, basically, they recognize you for excellence in your profession mm -hmm. and then, you know, what you've done in philanthropy. So it was, it was quite an honor. Dang. And so for people who don't, who don't know what that is, what is being knighted? Well, I mean, I'm officially – it's a title. Uh, I mean, it – Again, it, it, it's it's something that you know has come up through the ages, and it's a way of just bestowing honor on people for you know the great work they've done. Yeah. yeah, that's cool. Dang, that's super cool. Um, and so you mentioned that you're you know you're really big into philanthropy, and that's kind of been a big taking up a big chunk of your time nowadays. What are some of the most or the causes you're most passionate about that you give? most of your attention and time and resources to? Well, I mean, definitely we, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, we've, you know, this would have been our 13th year at UCLA. Uh, unfortunately, it had to be 
virtual, but you know, we put uh, we put a lot of time and energy into creating really the best program we can for these young students. And every year, it's just such a phenomenal, phenomenal event. And I'm always so touched by you know the amount of people who help contribute. Look, I couldn't afford to pay. Mark Wahlberg and Anthony Hopkins and you know Usher and like Paula Abdul, Eva Long. I couldn't afford to pay these people to come and speak at a program. Mm. They all do it for free. Yeah. You know, even our mayor Eric Garcetti. I mean, it's really, really phenomenal. You know the the amount of people who you know give their time because, like me, they believe that you know. Our youth is our future, and um, you know they want to help. What has been some of the most impactful stories you've heard from people who've kind of gone through the program, um, and how it's impacted their trajectory and their life through the LEAP program? You know, one of the things we teach at LEAP, and I don't know another program in the world that does this, we teach appreciation. Mm -hmm. We give the kids a little blank pad of paper that says, I appreciate, and then there's a space underneath, and then lines to write so let's say, like, I appreciate Dr. Bill for blah, 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 mm -hmm. right? Last year at the live program with 400 kids, I got 400 I appreciate notes. Wow. And 99% of them would say something like, hey, you know, doc, I appreciate Dr. Bill and the LEAP team for putting on this phenomenal program, blah, 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 LEAP changed my life and I know it did you know now 99% of the kids will say that 1% will say hey Dr. Bill we saved my life and I know it did mm -hmm. there are kids that come into the program lost they've got no family no support no friends and they really need a community, you know, of people, and we provide that. You know, the second you walk in the LEAP, you're put in a group with 10 other students your age, and you're with those same 10 students all week. And our goal is to help you guys stay in that unit for at least a year outside of LEAP. Mm -hmm. So it isn't like, you know, like we do our one week and then we're done. It's not like a one and done deal. We try and put you in a small mastermind group so you have these 10 students to be in your corner for you for, for life, hopefully. Mm. That's super, yeah, that's super impactful because I feel, especially today, um, the depression rate amongst kids in the age group that you're targeting has gone up in, incredibly, you know, like, I don't, I don't know exactly what the numbers are, but I think it was, it was around like 60% reported, uh, you know, depression episode, or I, I don't know the exact window, but I think well, that's awesome and noble. The thing that really was an epiphany for me was to see the tremendous rise in anxiety. Kids today, a lot of them suffer from anxiety, a lot. Like, and here's the crazy thing, I didn't even know what anxiety was growing up. Like, it wasn't even a thing. Well, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, and if you, when I was growing up, if you had told somebody you had anxiety, they'd be like, what? <laughs> you know, it wasn't even a thing. Yeah. And now I would say 50% of kids suffer from some level of anxiety or more. Mm -hmm. Well, ADD, does ADHD fall into that category? Because I know that I, I'm sure in the 19th, when you were growing well, up, that wasn't ADHD, as that didn't even exist when I grew up either. Exactly. There was no such thing. Exactly. Yeah. I'm curious what you what you think about that because I find that so, like some of the greatest entrepreneurs of our day, you know, have had that or have been classified as that now, or when they were growing up, they it was. You know, it's a funny thing because <laughs> I'm going to tell you a funny story. Okay. okay? <laughs> Thirty years ago, when I started practicing, I had a young woman who. Who, who worked for me, uh, who was a friend of mine in Switzerland. 
and she immigrated to the U.S. with her husband. She was from the Czech Republic, which was a communist country at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they escaped, um, and they got into Switzerland, <clears throat> and they tried to get political asylum. The Swiss wouldn't give it to them, so they came to America. So she shows up here, and she only speaks Czech and French. Well, it's not easy to work in the U.S. if you only speak Czech and French. Totally. Fortunately, I was fluent in French, and she was very, very gifted as a as an artist and with her hands. And so I hired her as a dental assistant, and so she worked for me for thirty years until she retired last year. Well, I had another assistant who was American, and she was super, super moody. And one day she was just like really, really moody. Mm-hmm. And um, and I and I said to her, uh, I said, what's what's going on? Like, why are you so intense today? She's like, I I have, I have PMS. I'm like, okay. So my my assistant from who I met in Switzerland said to me in French, she goes, what's wrong with her today? I said, well, you know, she told me she has PMS. And so she says, what does PMS mean? So I explained it to her. She said, we don't have that in my country. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah. So, you know, like we didn't have all this stuff when I grew up. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to explain it. You know, uh, like autism. We didn't have autism when I was growing up. I mean, I'm sure it was there. There just wasn't a name for it, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, And so all of these things now have, like, names, and you can categorize it. That just, it wasn't around when I grew up. I don't know, you know, if it's better or worse, to be honest with you. You know, I, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, well, I almost, I almost wonder if it's a part of the culture. Like, like nowadays, I feel like people ever... It's a very sensitive culture, you know what I mean? And so it, it is. And you know, I'll tell you something, as a parent, you really kind of, you know, wonder like like this. If your kid falls down and has like a little scratch, you have two ways. You can like, oh, oh, are you okay? Are you okay? And like really like baby will make a big thing out of it. Hmm. Or you could say, Oh, it's just a little scratch. Come on, let's go. Hmm. Which is better? You know? Yeah. I mean, I always tried to do the second one. You know, I didn't want to. I mean, obviously, if a kid was really hurt, that's one thing. But, you know, I feel like if you can make a really good judgment call and put things in the right perspective, it's that's a valuable lesson as a parent that you can teach a kid. Because there's a lot of parents that even with that little scratch, are going to, like, blow it up into something huge. And then everything in the kid's life becomes like a huge thing. And you know, not everything's a huge thing. So I think you have to really put things in perspective and deal with them accordingly. Yeah, that's super, that's wise words there. I, I, I always wonder that because like, I feel like this generation has grown up with a participation trophy culture and that's just not how the world works. And it's interesting to see how we've kind of fallen behind other countries because of, we're kind of getting in our own way. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I was curious to get your thoughts on that. So. But anyways, um, we're getting close to the hour mark here. You've been super generous with your time. Um, I really appreciate it, you sharing your journey. Um, anything else you want to share about your lead journey or your podcast with with our audience? Um, any ways that they could you know, reach out to you or get in contact if they're really interested in? in um, yeah, I mean, I'm super accessible um, on Instagram, really, just at Dr. Dr. Bill. B-I-L-L, Dorfman. Um, and I'm probably one of the only people with like a million followers that actually answers all my own DMs, which I do. Oh, wow. So if you want to reach out to me, please do on Instagram. Um, you know, if you uh, if you see the way I do my, you know, one of the things I'm really passionate about is like copy genius. So I watch a lot of other you know, influencers and try to incorporate the stuff that they do in my Instagram. So, 
know, it may be a good lesson for you to see that as well. Mm. But I would say if you really want to know the fastest road to success, in my opinion, find a great mentor. You know, find somebody who's doing what you want to do and, you know, see if you can shadow them and copy them and interview them and, you know, find out what it is that they're doing that makes them so successful. Who is yours? Uh, I have a, a bunch of them. Um, you know, that's one thing, too. You don't always have one mentor yeah. for all of your life. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my, my dad is a great mentor for, you know, really how to be a gentleman. You know, how to, you know, I mean, my dad really has been amazing. He raised four boys and, a, and one girl. And I've never seen my dad lose his temper or shout or 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 even I've never heard my dad swear not one single cuss word in my life wow. you know uh, my mom is a pillar of strength I mean my mother is a three-time cancer survivor and the woman never complains she puts on a happy face and she goes out every day in the midst of you know chemo and radiation and all the stuff that she's gone through she shouldn't even be here and she just goes she's like the little ever ready but you know my 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 grandfather who you know is no longer with us was a marketing genius you know and taught me a lot about that you know there was a dentist named jeff Golub evans who was one of the first like celebrity dentists he taught me how to work with pr and a publicist and you know and a lot of his guidance helped me get on extreme makeover and all that. So, I mean, the, you know, I, I think that it's important to find different mentors for different parts of your life and, you know, kind of use those. And, and again, copy genius, copy genius, copy genius, copy genius. Mm-hmm. It's a, that's also part of human nature, too, just being able to copy people and replicate. Um, so who, who would be like a dream guest to have on your podcast or at one of your lead foundations? Or maybe Sorry, a, say that again? Who, who would be one of your dream guests to have at your Leap Foundation or at on one of your podcasts? Or maybe you have access to them. I don't know. But, well, or maybe you've already I had keep them. trying to get Katy Perry to do it. She's been my patient since I kissed a girl. Oh, seriously? And uh, we got really close this year, and then she got pregnant. Oh, so, dang. I would love to have Katy come on because she has such a great story. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Well, if there's any guests that we have on our from our podcast who you'd like to have on yours or you'd like to have come speak, reach out. I'd be more than happy to make an introduction. I'm sure cool. you. I'm sure, I appreciate that. I'm sure you have access to you know the best the best celebrities, but you know we've had some pretty cool guests as well. So, uh, yeah. But anyways, thank you so much for your time. Um, I'm gonna end the podcast here, but if you want to stay on just for a little bit, I would like to say thank you. So. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Of course.